The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. We've got the sillies this morning. No, we we're, we're got, got a little bit of the giggles that we had to work out first. So now we can record. We're, we're doing fine. We're doing mm-hmm. fine. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write film reviews for IGN and other outlets sometimes. Uh, people call me Rockmeister McCool. I like that that's taken on. That's, I like some that some people are calling me Rockmeister McCool now. So That's a cool name. The yeah. spelling of Rockmeister. Rockmeister is up for debate. R O C K M E I S T E R. Just like, one word, Rockmeister. Like, yeah. 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 Some people are spelling it like capital R O C hyphen Meister. Mm, yeah. Like Rockmeister Meister. Like Rock was yeah. your mother's maiden name. And- no, like R O C or like my. <laughs> First initials, and then Meister is my official middle name. I like it. Yeah. Uh, this week on Cancel Too Soon, uh, we're, we're reviewing something that we discovered, and a part of me wishes that we had. <laughs> yeah. This this was a chore to get through, guys. This this was this was a hell of a thing. Um. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we never sit on our laurels here mm-hmm. on Cancel Too Soon. We're constantly adding movies to mm-hmm. our fabled list. Yeah. And we have tons of movies to get through. We'll never be done with this series. But every once in a while, mm. we just stumble across something we didn't know existed. Mm. And then we're like, oh, we're doing that next. Yeah. So this had to wait until the end of Suddenly Last Season, the Patreon, uh, not sorry, the, uh, the podcast event in which we reviewed uh, shows that got canceled only this last season. But then we're like, as soon as that's done, boom, we're doing this. We are so excited. This is going to be the best thing ever. We have so many regrets. <laughs> we have so many regrets, you guys, because oh um, gosh. we're we're about to review the screen acting debut of Emma Stone, or rather of Emily Stone. Yeah, back before she changed her acting name. Uh, and I just want to make it clear: I'm a fan. I think she's great. I think she's a lot of fun. I think mm. she's very talented. Starting a lot of great movies, giving some really great performances. Mm. I think she's overrated in stuff like La La Land, but I think she's a very talented comedian. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's one of the things that makes movie 43 redeemable. The scene she has with Kieran Culkin is like legit funny. <laughs> that, that, that scene, I'll give you that scene All right. in that movie. That, mm. that otherwise terrible movie, mm. that's a good bit. Because <laughs> uh, they're really selling it, and it's very, yeah. very funny. How's your HPV? It's your HPV. I'm just carrying it for you. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I think, listen, I think she's, she's really, really great. I wouldn't give her an Oscar for La La Land per se, mm. but... Maybe the favorite. Like, she's in a lot of great movies. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan. Okay. Um, so I was excited to see her screen acting debut in The New Partridge Family. The Jacksons. The Osbournes. We all know their stories. But VH1 wanted to find a musical family just beginning their journey. A family untouched by the excesses and extremes of the modern music business. This is their story. So, confession time. Mm. Come on, get happy. This was my introduction to the Partridge family. This was? I'd never seen an episode of the Partridge family. Never once in my entire... My first introduction to the Partridge family was when I was watching the Brady Bunch movie. And the Partridge family van drove across the screen, just a one-off joke. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I heard of them. That's it. That's all I got. I've heard some Mm. of the music. Come on, get happy is a perfectly fun song. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, I'm familiar I, with the cast. I obviously mm. uh, Danny Bonaducci and um, mm. David Cassidy, and I'm mm. familiar. Shirley Jones, Susan Day, yeah. yeah, less so, but yeah, I'm familiar. Mm. And yet, it, it was never on in reruns. Like there was always reruns of the Brady Bunch. I never saw a rehab of the Partridge think, Family when I was a kid. Uh, 
something about the Brady Bunch, like their deal. I remember Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island were heavily in, in reruns when I was a kid. All the time, all like of twice those things, a day. like on networks. Yeah. And I think, yeah, something about the Partridge Family TV deal or their syndication deal was uh, different. So you would see them on like Nick at Night. So whenever I went over to a friend's house who had cable TV, that's when I would see like clips of the Partridge Family. Yeah. So it kind of dribbled in a little bit and. It wasn't until I was in like my late 20s or early 30s that I really decided to sit down and educate myself on the Partridge family, because I knew they were a, a kind of a big sort of side note of presence in the rock world. I just realized we've done 174 episodes of this show, including this one, mm. and bonuses and all that stuff. Mm. We've never talked about Nick at Night before. Not explicit, like we've mentioned it in passing a couple yeah, times. We've never really yeah, Nick, talked about it. Anyway, if, if you don't know Nick at Night, um, Nickelodeon... Was its own state. I think it's still its own cable station. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, Nick and Elodian and Nick Jr. have their own streaming platforms now. Yeah, and there, there was this um, whole cable station. It was pretty novel at the time. It was all uh, uh, content catered specifically towards mm, kids. There were new yeah. shows, syndicated shows, shows that they had taken from uh, you know Canada, Germany yeah. or Canada or Japan and mm. redubbed them so they'd be over here to fill out their programming schedule. The, uh, a lot of it was really great, and I grew up with a lot of it. The uh, one of their flagship shows was "You Can't Do That on Television," which oh, was a Canadian program. One of the best. Uh, shows. It was a, a, essentially a sketch comedy show with a cast of kids. Yeah, and basically laughing with teenagers. La- yeah, laughing with with teenagers even. And yeah. um, start a young. Alanis Morissette. That's right, she was in there at one point. Um, And they had a few running gags that everyone of my age remembers who saw the show. When you said uh, the word water, when you mentioned water, water would pour on your head from above, just from the ceiling. Some phantom place. Yeah, it was this weird sort of Monty Python-esque kind of... absurdist gag. But if you've uh, ever wondered why Nickelodeon if, is synonymous with the word slime, this is where this it's is from. This is why, because when you said, I don't know on You Can't Do That on Television, green slime would pour in your head. This like thick paint-like viscous substance. Yeah. I remember they used to sh- do <clears throat> tutorials on Nickelodeon on how to make that stuff. And, and I remember they were interviewing somebody uh, on the show. Maybe they were just interviewing each other. But they said, uh, I don't know, and they got hit with the slime. And they said, oh, okay, I know, I know how to take care of this. You just say water. And they got washed off with the water, the subsequent water. Yeah, which is pretty clever. Yeah, see, um, look, I don't know, water. Like, they kept getting dumped slime on. And uh, that was parlayed into Double Dare, a kid's mm. game show, which is one of the best TV shows ever made. Because <laughs> if you're eight years old and you watch Double Dare, you think, this is where I go when I die. If I'm very, very good, you but get the, to be on Double Dare. But the problem with Nickelodeon was, as a kid's you know, sort of channel... Hmm. Kids I guess go to the, bed. Yeah. yeah, kids go to bed at some point, and the idea was, well, we got to have something on, and so they came up with the idea of Nick at Night, which is basically just we're going to take all the old syndicated shows that every network has already been showing forever, mm. but we're going to show them all together as a mm. programming block. So every night you can watch Mr. Ed and Bewitched mm. and My Three Sons yeah. and the Beverly Hillbillies and, and all of these shows. Would they be made on it kind of special, and they made it like kind of cool mm. to like revisit those shows and those shows were kept alive a hell of a lot longer with another generation than they probably would have organically. I I seem to recall the Partridge family being on Nick at Night. That might be the case, but I never saw it. I I don't actually know a lot about sort of the programming blocks on Nick at Night, just Mm -hmm. I remember seeing it on cable TV. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the premise of the original Partridge family was a single mom. uh, Mrs. Partridge. No, she has a name. Uh, It's like Shirley Partridge. Okay. Played by Shirley Jones. Uh, yeah, had a, a, a brood of performing children. <laughs> brood. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there was... Uh, there was the Su- young there was one Su- and the Su- older Su- one. Susan Day, Laurie, uh, there was David Cassidy who played Keith. There was Danny Bonaducci, who was sort of like the, the little rapscallion. He was mm-hmm. Danny Partridge. And then there were a few like younger kids yeah, that, got that a couple didn't of have, have as much personality. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and they would travel around in the Partridge Family bus, which was painted like a Mondrian painting, and uh, and perform. And it was all very square. It's very wholesome. It was all was, very uh, a throwback to the 1950s. Help, help me out here because I'm curious about this, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other people listening who are not as familiar with the Partridge Family as well. Mm-hmm. What was a typical episode of the Partridge Family like? Can you give me like a general idea um, how many songs there were, or? or... Oh, I mean, I'm not so experienced that I like recognize the patterns, but I know musical programs from the time, and there were usually at least one original song, maybe two. If I if we're taking the monkeys as a template, the monkeys <laughs> had like two or three original songs in each each episode, including okay. times where they just stopped the episode and have like what was essentially a music video. 
But yeah, the Partridge Family was about them. The Partridge Family was one of those sort of reality-crossing things where they put out real records in the real world, mm-hmm. and the show was about the trials of the band, but it was all fictionalized. Right. So they had an agent on the show, and they, the agent would get them a gig, and somebody would run afoul of something on the gig, or uh, Danny Bonaducci would cause some trouble, or Susan Day wanted to date somebody, but they had to move on. It, the usual stories. Got it. And uh, and that that was it. Okay, so uh, the Partridge Family mm-hmm. uh, aired from 1970 to 1974. Uh, mm. Again, it has a lasting cultural legacy. I just missed it somehow. Mm. And I remember when the Brady Bunch movie came out, and there we had this sudden renewed interest in old TV mm. sitcoms as the potential oh. fodder for mm. reboots, mm. remakes, movie adaptations. The, uh, Partridge Family was one of the ones everyone kept talking about. For whatever reason, it never quite came together mm. during that 90s boom. Yeah, there was this big like 70s nostalgia wave in the early 90s. And you know, they they say there's like the 20-year nostalgia. Like we're we're having nostalgia for the mid-90s now. And yeah. It's the late 2000s, late 2010s. Um I remember in the early there was uh people wearing bell bottoms again. Mm. If you remember that little trend, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of focus on uh, kung fu movies of the seventies and like a lot of indie cinema, uh, yeah. a lot of just a lot of uh, really tacky seventies pop culture. By the way, I really um, hope people can't hear that noise. My neighbors are doing laundry, and this is the only time we have to record. They're, so they're, doing, la- they're doing laundry, or they're sawing logs. I'm not exactly yeah, sure. If there's, if you like hear literally it, sawing logs. You're thing in the background. I'm sorry about that. There's only so much mm-hmm. we can do. Um, mm. So, um, but yeah, yeah. The, the whole seventies nostalgia thing did lead to things like, um, like a lot of boomer media started to leak, leak its way into Gen X's media, mm-hmm. and Gen X had to put their own stamp on a little bit. Yeah, the Brady like, Bunch like movie a, is a perfect example. Yeah, of that. because the Brady Bunch movie took sort of the wholesomeness of the Brady's, but put it in the nineties, so they were actually like these weird mutants out of water that weren't really reacting to the world around them. They were still dressed like in the 70s, behaving like they did on the sitcom, Yeah. while the rest of the world had continued to to grow and change. The movie is miraculously, simultaneously cynical and optimistic. Like, in yeah, every conceivable yeah. way. Like it, it, it really works. It's, it a, come, it's a miracle of a on, film. on the side of the Bradys, but it's also outwardly mocking them. It, yeah. It's, yeah, really clever. <clears throat> During that period, we also had a reboot of The Addams Family. There was a Richie Rich movie. There was a Honeymooners movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Beverly <laughs> like Hillbillies yeah. movie. Uh, all, all of these movies were kind of tongue-in-cheek, fun ways of re-exploring a lot of this B- Besides stuff. the Brady Bunch and Adams Family, were there any good ones? I remember Beverly Hillbillies mm-hmm. being surprisingly uh, funny. It wasn't until later, but there was another Lassie film. That was until like, oh, the yeah, mid-2000s. But yeah, there was another Lassie film, but it wasn't based on the sitcom. It was based on the original novel. Ah. So it was like set back in England. It was much more adventure and a lot, a lot more serious and adult. Yeah, fair enough. I took my mom to see that, and it wasn't until she saw the movie, which I think is set in Ireland. Oh, that, that she got uh, the name? That she got the name. <laughs> I, I had the same thing. Because <laughs> you know, she was used to seeing the 50s sitcom and, and you know the dog being named Lassie. Lassie, Lassie, come home. And she didn't really put it together that it's Lassie. She's yeah. a lass, Lassie. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they named She didn't really have a name. They just called her Lassie. Yep. She didn't understand that at all until she was, like, in her 50s. All right. So uh, the time kind of came and went for a Partridge Family reboot. but Yeah, the the, the, the 70s nostalgia wave was over by the time we got this. Yeah. So I guess they said, screw it. We might as well try. So Mm -hmm. uh, we ended up getting the new Partridge Family. This is in 2004. VH1 Mm -hmm. decided to reboot the Partridge Family, but they didn't just decide to reboot the Partridge Family. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. It would have been too easy mm. to just cast some actors and yeah. make a show. Mm. Oh, no. We're VH1. <clears throat> We're going to make this a fucking event. Mm. So what they did was they did a four-part television series called In Search of the Partridge Family. It was a reality TV show. It was like a Star Search-like competition. Yeah. For where they they were looking for yeah, the new young, cast of the Partridge young family. performers were going to compete to be cast in the Partridge, the new Partridge family. And I get the idea on mm-hmm. paper because the idea is okay. Mm-hmm. Partridge family might be a little passe. We're obviously catering to people who know the Partridge family, mm-hmm. but we really want to connect to young people because the Partridge family is full of young actors. Mm-hmm. So how do we get the young people invested in the show before we even air the pilot? How do we get them excited mm. to see a reboot of a show that at that point was already 30 years old? 
we'll get them mm. invested by giving them a chance to star in it and to like vote for people who are starring in it or whatever. So they put on a show. <laughs> and that show is the most insufferable thing I think I have ever seen um, on television. This is and I'm I'm I don't I mean I, this is fresh in my mind. True. I'm still hurting. Yeah. Uh, I saw this the, less the, than the, 12 hours the, the, ago. The wounds are still bleeding, so this may sound like an exaggeration, but I want to stand by it. This is like almost like Star Wars holiday special levels of grating. Yeah. Um, it maybe isn't as incompetent as Star Wars holiday special, mm-hmm. but in terms of the profound desire you have to literally watch or do anything else, yeah, yeah. it's just as palatable. You want, you want to scream at it. It's... Like milking nostalgia in the most embarrassing possible way. Um, I saw a film at uh, the Cine, the Cine Family one. It's called Sextet, and it's maybe one of the worst I've ever seen. Mm, never seen it. It's uh, a movie starring Mae West and a bunch of other celebrities. Oh, I do know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, and yeah. It, like it, Dom DeLuise, Alice Cooper, a bunch of performers, Timothy Dalton's in it, and it stars Mae West when Mae West was in her 80s, I believe. She was mm. she was up there. Yeah, and. It was clearly one of these movies that was made to exploit the fandom of the few aging Mae West fans out there. It's like, when, like they're making these new Star Wars films and they're bringing back the same actors when they're in their 70s. It's like, you're not the adventurers anymore. This isn't the same thing anymore. Like, I get I, it. I, like, I get it. Know, they're like, trying to say, okay, the characters have aged as well, but I don't want to see Indiana Jones going on adventures when he's 75 years old, you know? Maybe you will when you're 75. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe when I'm 75, I'm going to want to see a 75-year-old's in adventures. But, yeah, watching Mae West trying to do her... And they they don't give her something new to do. They just sort of pretend no time has passed. Mm -hmm. And she's still the same sex bomb she always was. And she has all of the same one-liners. And all of the men are fawning over her. And all the celebrity cameos lean in and say, Hey, look at me! And you expect the audience to stop and applaud. As if it's like Circus of the Stars. Yeah. It's the most embarrassing shit. Just watching this poor woman being paraded around trying to say her, you know, 50-year-old catchphrases as if they're still fresh. Mm -hmm. It it, it just sheds this dark light on how we view celebrity in this country. I I was watching In Search of the Parks Town. And bear in mind, we couldn't find all the episodes. I thought we could. Turns out all we got were, like, big bits and pieces. So we were not, like, reviewing that show. We we watched all the clips that were available. We're only reviewing the new Parks Town, but we need to talk about In Search of the Parks Town because this, this kills my soul. Um, it's just like, hey, everybody, we're going to talk about the Partridge family. And wasn't the Partridge family cool? Hey, let's watch a clip of the Partridge family set to Blink-182 for some reason. Oh, God. All the small things. Yes. Danny Bonner, <laughs> Ducci, And I just want to gouge out my eyes. And then like, okay, everybody, you remember them from the original show. Here's the original Partridge family. And you can tell that like, Maybe Danny Bonaducci wants to be there, yeah. but David Cassidy and is it uh, Shirley Shirley Jones? Shirley Jones, yeah. do not don't want. They to are be there so like all. okay, we'll we'll play nice yeah. because you're giving us and, a very nice paycheck, but oh there's gosh. no fucking way we would do this and for they, free. They call out the actor who played their agent on the show, and they're trying to like mess with. They, they were messing with my head a little bit. <laughs> Because they're trying to mess with reality, and you know, Danny Bonaduce and this actor who plays the agent are having this kind of light little banter about how, yeah, remember all these experiences we had on the show as if they're real. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, was he, he really their agent? <laughs> is the is the Partridge family real? And then the agent and, has a great bit where he's like. I don't remember you. And I'm not entirely sure he just doesn't remember Danny Bonaduce. It doesn't play like a bit. It plays like we just dragged this. Like he's like moved on with his life. Yeah. He doesn't care anymore. And it's like if he met Danny Bonaduce at a party, he would literally not remember him at all. That's how it plays. This is a weird looking man. And uh, he, uh, yeah, he's like, remember when you used to call me at all weird hours and then they show a montage of the young Danny Bonaduce on the Partridge family calling the character and like all of these edits and these I guess yeah. that was a running gag on the Partridge family I guess it, it's it's banking on two things that are completely opposite because it's trying to get all of this nostalgia for the Partridge family from presumably an older audience who watched it when they were young in the yeah. 1970s 
but this is like VH1 and they're trying to be all hip, so they're trying to sell it to like 17-year-olds. Hey, 17-year-olds, remember the Partridge family remember, and how cool all these running gags were? They wouldn't know any different. Remember when they used to call your school in for like an assembly and it would be like this really oh, belabored yeah, yeah. like live show about how peer pressure is bad? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we had one they were always like, hey kids, we're going to do a thing! And everyone was very well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. I could tell that at the time. Like, yeah. you clearly think you're doing a good job. You are not connecting to us. <laughs> I just want to stop them and just, like, you are not mm-hmm. connecting to us in a way that we can mm-hmm. understand or appreciate. We feel very <laughs> condescended to right now, which is why, mm-hmm. as soon as this is over, we're all going to do as much peer pressure as we can. We're, we're, I'm going to leave. It's kind of weird that the more insistent that a TV special or a stage performance is about that you that you not drink or take drugs makes you want to drink and take drugs all the more. Because you resent not, them for talking not, yeah, down to you not, like that. Not just does it, it not only does it make it seem kind of fascinating this weird forbidden thing, but yeah, you you kind of want to spite them. Yeah. Like, I've, I really, I've never met those actors, I don't know, but just to spite those assholes, I'm going to drink a fifth of vodka right now. Like, like I, I watched, I was watching In Search of the Partridge Family, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know what you're making me want to do? Mm-hmm. Watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids again. And I hated that show. And we could have watched The Partridge Family 2020, which was another Hanna-Barbera thing. I didn't. We, we, we didn't. We could. We could lump that in together if you like. Oh shit! There's an animated partridge, a sci-fi animated partridge family. Oh, series. I forgot that existed. Okay, yeah, yeah, we have to do, they, Was it only one season? I uh, let me check on that. It's Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera things could have lasted eight fucking years. For who all the I hell know. knows? Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, but at that point in the clips that we saw, we mm-hmm. we didn't see the whole thing. We also got a great look at the final round of who was going to play. Was it Keith Partridge as the leader? Uh, yes, Keith, the, the David Cassidy part. Who's going to play mm-hmm. Keith? Who's going to play the hunky front man of the Partridge family? And um, I'm like, oh, okay, so I guess we're going to watch these two teenagers sing or whatever. Uh-huh. And that's when the thing goes insane. Because it cuts to them. First off, they're taking off their shirts and all the teens in the audience are going, Whoa! Oh God. And, and it's totally Edward and Jacob style up in here. Oh, yeah. Like, we're trying to see who can out-hunk each other, and they're, like, standing on stage, and they're all, like, greased up and shirtless. Yeah. And I then just, they... I just wanted them to kiss. <laughs> and, then, like... and then they also, like, do this whole weird fucking thing mm. where they're boxing... They're yeah. boxing shorts, and it's like they're boxing, and every punch is a metaphor for how much better they'd be at Keith Partridge. And they're talking shit oh about God. how, yeah, I'm so much better than Jackson Cole or whatever he is. Because, because <laughs> Jackson, Jackson Cole. Because Jackson Cole, Jackson Cole doesn't understand Keith Partridge the way I do. He's an okay singer, but I got it all over him in the acting department. All right, uh, here's some bad news for you. Uh the Partridge Family 2200 AD, uh-huh. which is the full, the, to cite the proper title. It should be AD 2200. Okay. Yeah, AD 2200, but it's called Partridge Family 2200 AD. That's not how it works. Danny Bonaduce came back. Of course. Because what else is he doing? Yeah, he's he's um, cool. He's game for anything. I'll, I appreciate that much. Frank Welker is in it because they have him, a, a t- like, they're, they're feeding, like, amino acids and <laughs> proteins into ports on his back. <laughs> And he can't leave the Hanna Barbera studio. He's just sort of like in a Borg alcove. He's like Doctor Satan yeah. in the basement of their of their creepy shack. One season, sixteen episodes. Damn it! It's, All right, it's, it's in our purview. All right, I guess we got to do it at some point. Hmm. Well, it's, what about Gilligan's Planet? Can we do a whole week of Hanna Barbera sends assholes? Oh, maybe space? so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get around to it. Yeah. Casper and the Angels, which I know was I think was Ruby Spears, but uh, hmm. that's another one. Where uh, Casper becomes a bodyguard to two space cops modeled wait, wait. after Laverne and Shirley. Casper the Friendly Ghost? Yeah. Oh, good God. He's the guardian angel to space cops. It's awful. Yeah. Gilligan's Planet. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, um, yeah. It, and that's that's not uh, Hanna-Barbera. That's a filmation show. But well, regardless. Yeah, same. So ni- Okay, so we have a theme month we got to do of 1970s cartoons in space. It, we're down. It's going to hurt, but You're we got to do it. That. You're oh, char- I'm in charge. You're of in that. charge of putting that. T- I'm, yeah. not, I'm not touching those. I'm not buying those DVDs. Mm-hmm. You're in charge of that. Okay. Anywho, uh, so they they like fight it out all like sort of schmodown smack talk video style mm-hmm. about who's going to be the better Keith Partridge, and then they sing. What did they sing again? What was their song? In my head, it's all all the small things by Blink One Eighty Two. They By the s- way, incidentally, if you if you sing, you can sing the alphabet to all the small things. Yeah, A B C D E F 
G H. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose you could do it for most Q-R-S-T-U. things. Q R S T U. Yeah. It 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 fits perfectly. Anyway. <laughs> Just, that's and that's how I'm going to teach uh, teach all the kids to sing the alphabet song now. Anyway, both the Keith Partridges <laughs> sing, mm-hmm. and here's the deal: they both suck. They're they're both off key. They're both way they're, off. They're key. not. They're not playing. They're, uh, they're supposed to be harmonizing. They're not. Mm. I don't know if that was a strategy to make each other look bad so that oh. they pick you, but it's really not. I mean, I, I, listen, they're kids. I'm not trying to like be cruel. Mm. I I blame the people who put them on stage without like mm. checking to make sure that their headpieces were actually picking up the music so that they could be on key. There's mm. a lot of different factors that lead to that shit. I remember. Um, one time Aerosmith was performing like the Grammys or whatever, mm-hmm. and Steven Tyler was way off key, and he just left in the middle of performance, threw out his headset, and mm-hmm. then came back and was on key again. Okay. There's a lot of different factors that can go into that. No, he just did a little vocal warm up backstage and No, no, he just it just they, they were feeding him like some like a wrong oh, audio okay. feed or okay. something. So he was off. So he, he just went back out so and he, he did it. He was on, just he was getting the wrong audio feed. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he he wasn't just singing off key. I, he well he he was definitely singing wrong, but it wasn't entirely his fault. Mm. Um so I don't know what else. So they picked the guy I wouldn't have picked. Well, there, there's the 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 taller, friendlier looking one with who actually looks a little bit more like David Cassidy. With granted, they get he actually I think he grew out his hair so he'd look a little bit more like David Cassidy. Smart play. And then there was the one who looks like Jacob from Twilight, who is like a, a little shorter, darker, a little meaner. Like he had black hair, and a, he looked a little bit like Seth MacFarlane, like teenage Seth MacFarlane. I can see that. I was gonna say yeah. like a like a like a a broier Nicholas Holt. Yeah, that'll do too. Yeah, yeah. Um, both I, both handsome hunky dudes. Yeah, I mean, they're fine. The point, but, but, but like, yeah, I thought the other guy was the better singer, but whatever. And then I we track I tracked down um, the one compete competition bit with uh, Emma Stone and oh. the other woman who's competing to be Emma Stone Partridge. Emily Stone. Emily Stone. <laughs> and that was another one where they also sounded bad. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I would never say Emma Stone is the greatest singer in the world. I've seen La La Land. Mm. But <laughs> a, a movie which is fine, but she's not the greatest singer in the world. She's better than that, mm. and I know she could be better than that. I don't know what the hell is up with their production and, that they just everyone was off key all the time. And uh, just the, they, they, maybe they couldn't hear the music. Maybe they're just not great singers. Well, they're these teenagers, kids, but, yeah. you know. They did the Some, best. We're trying I mean, to find well, I mean, who can sing pl- and well, act. There are plenty know? of teenagers who can sing and act. I mean, who are who are working as waiters in New York delis right now. I'm surprised Hollywood producers just go to New York delis and talk to the waiters and waitresses because you're going to find so much talent there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she sings Meredith Brooks' "Bitch." Oh yeah, that was her that was her opening. That was solo that piece. was her solo number. Ooh, which they cut down like they didn't sing the whole song. Oh yeah, they do that a lot in these yeah. like reality it's shows. A, yeah, it's like, it's like a one minute version. People get tired yeah. if we if we listen to a whole three minute song. Yeah, so we'll I know, do it a minute fifteen. And that's like enough for some and, reason. And yeah, it's like she's on her third beer at karaoke, kind of singing. Yeah, she she's not really on key. She's really enthusiastic, but she's really sloppy. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about Meredith Brooks' bitch. I know it's pretty widely reviled by a lot of people. It these got days. overplayed real hard, when real it came fast. Out. Yeah, and it was supposed to be this big feminist anthem, but a lot of people say no. The message of that that song is not a feminist message. Yeah. It's like uh, I'm I'm unpredictable woman, and you just gotta accept that. That's what girls do. Um, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things I like about In Search of the Partridge Family is the bit when Danny Bonad after doing all these competitions, like who's gonna be the better singer? Uh-huh. What do you think? And Danny Bonaduce says, "You know, none of us played our own instruments, so seriously, don't worry about anything." Uh, yeah. <laughs> Completely torpedoes the entire concept of the reality show, which is weird because <laughs> in, in that final performance, like after they finally announce who gets to play Keith, and they do their sort of like big victory lap. Yeah, the the new Partridge Family debuts, and they play a new original song, mm. which is harmless claptrap. It's, it's it's that really. I mean, this was like the early to mid two thousands when mm. that kind of really bubblegummy pop punk was in vogue. Yeah. The the sort of your your bowling for soups and your it was it was still Hanson was no longer a big deal but Hanson was a very vivid memory yeah so yeah there's a really funny gag about Hanson oh Hanson it's that family group about two brothers and their sister I know that that was kind of a cute joke that was made it really me, it made me giggle a little bit no really <laughs> okay maybe not. I'm over that joke maybe it wasn't funny 
it's funny now, I think. Like, if, if if somebody made that joke now, like, they had heard of Hanson and they never really understood it, that would be a little funnier. It's not really a thing. All right, fine. <laughs> but, yeah. They, Moving they, on. They do their victory number, and uh, Emma slash Emily Stone gets her own guitar solo. Yeah. But she's not playing. She's clearly not playing. <laughs> she's got the stance right. She's they announce it. Very well. and, and, and guitar, Emily Stone, and she's like, I would, I would love to interview Emma Stone for like an hour about this because I really, because here's the it's, thing, it's been brought up on like talk shows. Oh, I know. People like brought it up on Ellen, her, but yeah. But like, I really want to delve into it, like outside of the ha ha ha, wasn't this funny? Like, no, I really want to talk about this because. Especially when you look at like the little kid partridges mm-hmm. uh, who come out as well and look really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and like I, I just did. They're, they're, I, like, not, they're like eight years old. They're it's not kids. the same thing. Yeah. But I just did like this live show for the Schmodown, mm-hmm. and it was on a stage, and everyone's you know yelling at you and everything, and it was wonderful. But it was also kind of surreal and weird <laughs> to be that much the center of attention mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hey, I hope I don't fail you," mm-hmm. and like to. To give that much pressure to teens yeah. in this kind of weird live environment, or little kids even. Hmm. There's a level of intensity there that I just I couldn't get over hmm. about what it must have been like. I mean, Emma Stone and the kids who were going for Keith, were, hmm. they were clearly consciously aware that they were doing it. Yeah, well, it was clearly I mean, an intentional, they wanted to do it. Hmm. I'm not sure about those little kids. I'm not sure how excited they were to hmm. and how wide-eyed they were about did they know going into this mm. just how intense and weird it would be to be watched and judged like that well, because the, i maybe, don't know if i could do that my whole life. maybe we can ask danny bonaducci about that because that's been his life yeah he, he was a, a child star and a lot of people he was the butt of jokes for years yeah. about uh the child star that wasn't able to continue acting and there's the- ironically enough he turned that into a whole career yeah he turned turned that say, into a career so kudos good for to him. danny bonaducci for that that's, a, he's, that's he's, turning look, a negative into a positive he's come out on the other side he's okay now i have no ill will toward danny bonaducci whatsoever but first of all there's this weird insistence that child stars have to continue acting like they have to continue pursuing fame from the people who aren't actors in the yeah. acting community, they can just retire. It's well, okay. They can do other things. They can mm. find out they want to do other stuff. Like I, yeah. I know, like on the outside, it seems like acting is the dream. But mm. what if you try it and decide it's not for you? Or, or okay. you, or you did it and you don't want to anymore. Look yeah. at Mara Wilson. Look at Danica McKellar. These are people. Who, Danica McKellar still acts. Does she? She does Hallmark movies. Oh, that's right. I I thought she was just just a professional mathematician. No, she's, these days. I think she does it once. I don't know if she does it for fun or whatever. Yeah. But like, she still does like a Hallmark movie a year or something. Oh well, okay, good yeah. for her then. Yeah, she's good. Enough. Well, but Mara Wilson doesn't act anymore. Not now that she, I'm aware of. Now she just you know does like speaking engagements and writing, and mm-hmm. she's great at that. I have a ton of respect for Mara yeah, Wilson. Mara yeah. Wilson is awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Wilson is awesome. No, she's 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 really cool. I, and, I, uh, I appreciate there her. There was e- I even had this sort of musing at one point. It's like, ooh, Mara Wilson. She's kind of local. Maybe we could like get her on a podcast. Oh, and, like that same day. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't send her anything. But Good. that same day, she put something on Twitter saying, "Please stop asking me to be on your podcasts." It's like, <laughs> oh god, yeah, she's probably being asked all the time. So yeah. we're, you were I did not invite Mara Wilson onto our podcast. <laughs> Mara I, Wilson, she's busy. She has her own life. I can just admire her. We That's respect fine. her so much we didn't ask her to <laughs> yeah, be on her. Yeah. Um, mm. So the Partridge family has been formed. They yeah. have been uh, uh, forged in, in the fires of reality television. Yeah. So, so we know that this bond, this mm. union, will last forever. Mm-hmm. Or one episode. One episode first. is how far they so got. Here's the full <laughs> cast. We had uh, Suzanne Soule played Shirley Partridge. Mm-hmm. The uh, that the handsome David Cassidy bloke who played Keith was Leland Grant mm-hmm. because of course his name is Leland Grant. We had Emily Stone as Laurie. Uh-huh. Uh, Danny Partridge was played by uh, an actor named Spencer Tuskowski. Okay. And uh, then there were the little kids. There was Hannah Lee and Anthony Skillman, uh, who. I think Hannah Lee's actually gone on to do other things. Most of these people did not. No. Like, uh, the, the guy who played Keith, he's got like seven roles on IMDb. This is the biggest one. Wow. Yeah, it was not a, uh-huh. not a big deal. Um, and, of course, as their agent, and we did not plan this as a double feature, I mm. swear to God, mm. as their agent... Ruben Kincaid is the name of their agent. French Stewart from Deadly Class. Oh, that's right. It was in Deadly, Deadly Glass. Isn't that so weird? I was watching French, it like, what? We got a French Stewart twofer. Yeah, okay. That was completely accidental. And totally and, and, and as I've said, French Stewart, better actor than he got credit for, is only yeah. asked to play these sort of broad comic parts. But, you know, he's... He's he not can, bad at him. He can do plenty. He's the best part of Home Alone 3. That's for sure. Yeah. No, sorry, 4. 
Home, that's right. Home Alone 4 was the oh, one where he played, yeah. and he played the Daniel Stern character. Yeah, that was the one. My bad. Yeah. Don't stop stop tweeting me. I remember he was in a, I know everyone is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm an expert in Home Alone 4. You mixed up Home Alone 3 and 4. How dare you? just lost all your cred. Yeah. The podcast mm. is canceled. Mm. Um, so the new Partridge Family was one episode. It aired on uh, January 22nd, 2005. And, um, right when nobody wanted it. Nobody cared. And, and I can see why it's it's being uh, it's a single camera sitcom. Yeah, uh, no laugh track, and it's st- because it's on VH1. It's being staged in sort of like reality TV fashion. Well, this so. was the time um, the, the Osbournes had just kind of reinvented not just reality television, mm. but how celebrities could use reality television to change their image. Well, and, and it was also the rise of how like tacky has-beens could use their tacky has-beenness. Mm-hmm. To reassert themselves, yeah. But I'm, I'm people remember, like Donald Trump well, yeah. on The Apprentice. This is exactly when that began. That's very true. But <laughs> we, I'm thinking, we have I, him as president because of a tacky TV trend in the mid 2000s. I guarantee you, the uh, template they were using was the Osbournes. If you don't yeah, remember yeah. the Osbournes, of course, of mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne, lead singer of Black Sabbath, heavy mm-hmm. metal legend, awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I don't know how they got this going. Mm-hmm. But at some point, they had on MTV, they had a reality television series that was about Ozzy Osbourne, his wife, mm-hmm. and his kids. And it turned out, they were really likable. Like, yeah, they, they were, were just they were... a normal kind of family. And it was just mm-hmm. weird seeing Ozzy Osbourne looking like Ozzy Osbourne, dressed to the nines like mm-hmm. Ozzy Osbourne, just arguing with his kids mm-hmm. over breakfast. It was really humanizing and kind mm-hmm. of refreshing when it first came out. Yeah, and it be- it became a huge phenomenon. People were buying it on DVD and re-watching yeah. this show about the Osbournes. It so they're, they're staging the Partridge family in that same way, but it's fictionalized. The difference, though, is at the mm. beginning of the new Partridge family, mm. there's like a title scrawl saying, like, there's so many shows like the Osbournes about famous bands. Mm. We wanted to do st- a story about a band that hasn't made it yet. And I'm like, how did... So you're telling me they have their own reality show mm. before they're a band. Well, they don't. What? Ha- they don't have their own reality show yet. But they they're, do. They're, they're they talk fil- about it. They're being filmed documentary style. No, no. They literally say when they go mm. to Ruben Kincaid, and mm. Ruben Kincaid's like, "What have you? We, you've never even done any shows." Mm. And they're like, "We have a reality show on VH1." And I'm like, yeah. "They literally say that they think, have a reality show on VH1." I, I think that's. I, I'm 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 not really sure how. I'm sure it was a mistake, that was but supposed regardless, to be. Well, I think, it's in the show. It's I think ma- maybe they're making fun of themselves a little bit. They're trying to say that VH1 will just give a show to anybody. Well, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I've seen VH1. It's, it's, it's I know little, that's true. It's a little bit of a gag. Fair enough. But my mm. point is that they, they, in canon, they mm. have a reality show in VH1 before they've ever played a gig. They, and yeah, they don't have any gigs yet. And, and fact, that's so weird. The, in, uh, over the course of the episode, Keith uh, ends up flirting with... A woman in a tattoo parlor, mm-hmm. and they play and, their first gig. And they at play a their first par- gig at their tattoo parlor, and the joke is supposed to be they're the Partridge Family. They're really square and they're well dressed, and they sing songs like "Come on, get happy" to a bunch of like tattooed punk and goth people. Mm-hmm. But it's the night. Yeah. But it was the early two thousand, so they'd all probably be into retro stuff and think it was kind of kitschy and fun. Yeah, well, no, by mid two thousands, maybe not. No, mid two thousands, they remember Partridge Family. That's true, but that that it's retro retro kitsch was on on its way out. I think that may be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the show opens with a gag that loses me completely. Loses me because no. it opens with um, was it Danny Partridge's the young one? Uh, Danny, or, I mean, confusing um, with Danny Bonaduce. Yeah, yeah, Little, it was Danny. Danny Partridge. Well, because Dan, they were both named Danny. Danny Partridge, who is I, I guess the rap scallion, the schemer. Mm-hmm. The little con artist. The, the Dennis the Menace. Of, yeah. yeah. So he's talking mm. to the camera, talking about, hey, mm. welcome to our show. We're a band. My, dad, my mom was a, a roadie for REO Speedwagon, and that's where she met my dad. And that's where they got the the bus. Yeah. It's REO Speedwagon bus. And and dad left us, and now we've got a band with my mom. Let's check it out. And then he opens like the garage door, mm. and mom mm. is doing laundry, but only wearing a bra. Yeah, brassiere and jeans. And I'm like, so let me tell you, let me get this straight. Mm. Your opening gag is sexually exploiting Surly Partridge. Mm. Pass. Mm, pass. Pass. Mm. I already, this is a bad mm. scene, man. And the kid looks at the camera and says, oh, sorry about that. Like, it's not, mm. like, that's not the tone well, I think you should be striking at all. This mm. is weird and gross. Yeah, and, and I'm, you, I'm gone. I've and already here's, mentally checked and, out. And here's the thing. They're, they're, they did that deliberately. Oh, of course. Uh, in order to get audiences to have a crush on Shirley Partridge. Of course. Uh, because... Uh, 
all of these, all of the people on the Partridge family, you can he- you hear people talk about it, were sort of the start of a lot of people's puberty. Yeah, uh, people had a yeah, crush on, on Susan uh, Day, on uh, uh, David Cassidy, Cassidy mostly. Especially um, David Cassidy. He was, uh, he was a hunk. But, you know, Susan Day was supposed to be sort of like the babe of the show. She was the young teenage girl. She was the mm-hmm. one that they were trying to appeal to a lot of teenage boys by putting her in the show. Of course. But it turns out Shirley was turned out to be the bigger crush object. Yeah. They asked around all, all of the boys they were trying to appeal to. It's like, no, the, the mom is hot. So they're deliberately trying to cast a, quote, hot mom type. It's really weird, and it's yeah. So not that not that there's anything wrong with 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 obviously older women being sexy, mm. but when you're trying to engineer it, it comes across as exploitative and gross. It's it's, ex, it's definitely exploitative, yeah. and uh, you know clearly she agreed to this, but yeah, she I think it's not. It's uh, it, that's the most savory thing. It, it's in poor taste um, at mm. the very best. Yeah. Um, so they play a song. It's the same song we just heard on the reality show. Mm-hmm. The whole revolution song. And love is a love. cool thing, and we're cool. Trying to be a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah lo- That's love not actually can... how it goes. <laughs> you can be a cool, cu- cool guy. Yeah, da, da, da. That's that's the new theme song. Just put that on a loop. What you just yeah. sang. And the International mm-hmm. Podcast mm-hmm. Award for Best Original Song mm-hmm. goes to. You can be a cool guy. Yeah, da, da, da. You can be a cool guy. Yeah, da, da, da. <laughs> From the new Partridge family. Our cat is dancing. Um, <laughs> the cat is dancing. Oh, God. Um, God. Uh, but so the problem is that uh, uh, Keith wants to take them on the road. It's like, hey, we got a cool band. Let's do band things. Mm. And everyone's just like, we, we, don't, we don't have any gigs. And yeah, he's like, well, I'm going to go out and get us a gig. And they're like, okay, I guess that's the plot for the pilot. Well, me- meanwhile, well, Danny also has, he has a much uh, smarter way of going about things. He wants to get them an agent. Or a manager. Or, or a, a man- excuse me, a manager. And Slightly he wants over. to, um, so he knows a music agency. And he cleverly breaks in. Uh, and he's a little kid. He's wandering around the agency. And they say, hey, you're not supposed to be here. And he looks at them and says in complete seriousness, oh, Ste- I'm here to see Stephanie. And he just keeps on walking. Yeah, and, and, and he says and then to they the cut camera back to, to the camera, and he's like, "If you're trying to sneak in, just say I'm here to see Stephanie." There's always a Stephanie. And indeed, there's and, a cute gag later uh, in the episode where French Stewart is talking to his to his assistant, uh, and he was like, "And get me Stephanie's number at CA." <laughs> <laughs> there's always. I thought that was kind of cute. That was, that that, was that, that there's always a Stephanie. Now, uh, French Stewart plays uh, Mr. Roland Kincaid. Uh, Reuben Kincaid. Reuben Kincaid. Yeah. Oh, probably after. I don't know. No, not not after uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin wasn't a thing yet. I don't know. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know when Rick Rubin. You're the music of, guy. I don't. I, know I'm not even things. the music guy. I just know Rick Rubin. You know, uh, that I, means I you're the music guy. I don't more know than the, I am. the arc of Rick Rubin's career. But anyway, um, uh, French Stewart is <clears throat> a is a power manager, <clears throat> and he's also a jerk. <clears throat> um, and uh, Danny manages to sort of finagle his way in mm. with Ruben's agent so that they can play at their agency. And so they show up in the middle of a big meeting, and Ruben is sort of forced to allow this because everyone is told, mm. oh, this is Ruben's, Ruben found this new band. Yeah. And Ruben's just like, I didn't find shit, but mm. um, okay, yeah, you guys will see. Yeah, I'll bet it's great. <laughs> and uh, so they play, and they play Come On, Get Happy. Yeah. And... Um, Everyone is into it but Ruben Kincaid. This plot point makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Ruben Kincaid is trying to deny the band even though everyone at his agency loves it and if he just accepted the band, he'd make a lot of money and everyone would be really really happy. Mm-hmm. But instead he's a jerk. And yes. uh, and he and uh, and so they fire Ruben, but they don't pick up the Partridge family. They totally could. Yeah. They could just call them. Uh-huh. You have their number. They left it the, makes no sense. In fact, they left their drums in the office. Yeah, they, they just brought all their, their stuff. Yeah. There's, they play in the office. The only consistently funny bit mm-hmm. in this entire pilot is uh, the young um, Partridge. Chris Partridge mm-hmm. has no dialogue, and he's always looking really vacant at the camera. Like He uh-huh. doesn't know what to do because he's on reality TV. Uh-huh. So every time they cut to him, it's like suddenly like a David Lynch movie, and he's just sort of like... <laughs> And there's a bit where all the whole band leaves because like Chris, we need Chris to talk. Partridge is not really blind. He can see 200 times better than all the other Partridge family. That's a reference to the movie, to the on, on the air. Stuff. <coughs> um, yeah, so they, they they tell the band leave so we can have a meeting about your band, and so everyone leaves and they start mm. saying, "Here's what I think about them," completely frank and unfiltered. And mm. they turn, and Chris Partridge is still there, just going, uh, "Yeah, yeah." And then Mom Partridge mm. comes in, is like, "Sorry, he does this," and she, she kind of runs up and grabs him, and mm. that part was actually kind of funny. Yeah. 
Ruben Kincaid is fired. Ruben Kincaid leaves. Ruben Kincaid is almost run over by Emma Stone, who is learning to drive using the Partridge family bus. You don't teach somebody to drive with a bus. You don't even get the same kind of driver's license. Totally different thing. And there's actually there's actually one other kind of funny line. They call too much attention to it by saying, and that line was ironic, but mm. she says, if I don't learn how to drive this bus, I'll be stuck taking the bus my whole life. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a good line. But I didn't need the follow-up line, which is the most ironic thing ever. Mm. Like, no, we get it. Mm. We're not dumb. Like, I understand that that would be a weird thing to say when you're driving a bus. You can't just make a joke. You have to call attention to it. Yeah. It wasn't even so bad a joke that they had to do that. Yeah. It wasn't even, like, so embarrassing Mm. that calling attention to it makes it funnier. It's actually a a joke. Mm. You told told a good joke, Petey. You told a joke. (laughs) Stay with it. Oh, you blew it. They they uh, they hit Ruben Kincaid with their bus. I guess mm. he's fine, and so they decide to uh, take him in for the night, which is weird because he has a home, <laughs> presumably. Yeah, I don't know if he's it's married a, or has kids or like a support system, but like they could have taken a, him to his house. Like he's a successful manager. It's until not established today. that he's like sleeping in his car or anything. Yeah, yeah, that would be fine if like you had a montage and it was like a week later mm. and you found out his whole life had collapsed and now he's stuck with the Partridge family. Hmm. No, they just basically kidnap a concussed man <laughs> and they take him back to his house and like he sleeps, has a sleepover with the kids and everything like that. And over to over that montage. He grows to kind of like the Partridge family, which mm-hmm. is kind of sweet. Because they're sweet, honest people. They're, they're nice. I have yeah. nothing against their characters. It's just the show isn't very good. <laughs> um, and he says, okay, fine. I'll agree to be your manager. And they say, great. We have a gig tonight. And they play at the tattoo parlor. And mm. the gag is they play and everyone likes them. But everyone liked them so much that they stopped giving tattoos. And the tattoo parlor lost money. <laughs> okay. So, they, <laughs> so the guy doesn't yeah. want to pay him. But mm. eventually he pays them their fee. $150. And in the end, they gave Ruben Kincaid his percentage, and he 10%. gets 15 bucks yeah. via check. And it's just him going, oh. And that's the end. No, he says, like, oh, he doesn't like the amount, but it's it's sort of a hopeful moment because he's hired. No, no, he's, like, starting. It's, just, it's kind of funny is my yeah. point. Like, and, and indeed, I kind of like the idea of, like, this whole, like, Jerry Maguire thing with, with Ruben Kincaid. Mm. Except he was, like, the Jay Moore character and he's going to be forced to learn yeah, the actual yeah. significance of supporting artists. Or in, mm. the, or in the case of Jerry Maguire, sports stars. Uh, it's, I guess you could call them artists. It's just whatever, splitting hairs. <laughs> but... He could learn the importance of being supportive yeah. to people and that being his job. And I guess that might have been something to look forward to on the show, but mm. was the new Partridge family canceled too soon, Whitney? Oh, God, no. I don't, no. I don't need to see more of this thing. It came too late. If they had made, if they had thought to make a reboot of the Partridge family in, like, in 1991, yeah. when, when this big 70s nostalgia wave was first cresting. Mm-hmm. And if they'd done uh, it as a movie, which would have been a way better idea. If they'd done it as a movie, and they had done this, they had done this sort of we're the modern version. Not the VH1 competition, because no, 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 F no, that no. noise. Uh, if they had, like, done a new Partridge Family single-camera sitcom that was really kind of, like, winky and self-aware, like the Brady Bunch movie? Yeah. That might have worked. I would like to have seen it. I actually like the idea of the reality TV thing, but if you scale it back and move backwards, what you do is, okay... Brady Bunch movie was a hit. Adam's Family was a hit. We got the Partridge Family. What do we do? Mm. This is Spinal Tap, but with the Partridge Family. Yeah, there you now go. Now, that's a pitch. That's and a the, good and that's, pitch. And that's kind of, 2005, uh, that's kind of what they were going for, because that's yeah. what VH1 and a lot of reality TV had become anyway. But uh, yeah. but if you yeah. do it as a movie, you can really yeah. you can take the time and refine the jokes. Yeah, yeah. And make them sing, rather and, than just sort of mentioning jokes. And you, you either do the Brady Bunch thing, where they're so wholesome that they don't match the world around them, yeah. or you kind of satirize it and give each one of them some kind of like horrible dark secret, like on a, a state episode. I would I would have liked it to have been like, they're, they're, it's a rags to riches story. We happen to be doing like a documentary, this little family band, but we mm. got them just before they hit it big. Mm-hmm. And we see them, they hit it big, they're on the Jay Leno show, and uh, then they start doing real concerts. But then, like, you bring in acts who make no sense to be with the Partridge family. Okay. Like, like, um, oh, it's the Partridge family. And, and the, White Snake. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 and Dr. Dre is here. Yeah. What would Dr. Dre say to the Partridge family <laughs> in 1991? <laughs> I want to see that. That's funny just yeah. thinking yeah. about it, right? Like, you can picture mm. that. What would they say to Madonna back in the Truth or Dare days? Oh, like, God, that would have been great. That would have been a really good idea. They, they missed this by, like, 15 years. Mm. They missed yeah. the perfect moment and the perfect, and they almost had the perfect way to do it. 
but they missed it by 15 years. And yeah, this show was not canceled too soon. No, no. Um, I'm glad it freed Emma Stone up to do other things because mm-hmm. she clearly, like, I wasn't. She's the most enthused and, uh, well, her and Shirley uh, are the most devoted actors. Well, and Fred Stewart. Uh, well, again, yeah, those yeah. those three they're they're in it. They're mm. truly in it. The kid who plays Danny is fine, but he's playing this like plucky kid thing, and it's such an overwritten role that not yeah. a lot of the kid's actual personality can come out. And the kid who plays Keith is a non-entity. Yeah, Leland Grant. Yeah, just he, I, I got nothing against him, but like he doesn't. Yeah, French, he, he doesn't French, break out of this. French Stewart is a professional, but yeah, yeah I feel like Emma Stone, as as a teen teen actors go, yeah. conveyed a good deal of uh, humor, energy, and personality, and so you can see why she went on to other things. Whenever she was talking about normal teen stuff, like talking mm. about driving with her mom, mm. that's when Emma Stone breaks out of this, and you can just mm. see like, oh, she's got a future. She's, she's good. She's actually like acting. Yeah. It's when she's doing the really fakey Partridge Family stuff that mm. you can tell it's like this is Emma Stone doing a Saturday Night Live bit in 15 mm. years. That's sort of like, mm. ha it's funny that I'm doing this. <laughs> like, that's the only vibe I can get out of that. But yeah. uh, uh, Suzanne Soul, I'm looking at Su- Suzanne Soul's filmography. She didn't do a whole lot. Oh, she, she's she quite did, good. Like, a few episodes of TV. Yeah, like this was her big break as well. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I wish that it had continued for her sake. Yeah, no, she was quite good. I, mm. I, I don't know. Maybe she does a lot of theater or something. Mm. I hope so. She's an episode of Joey. Mm. Um, yeah, she played a voice in a short film. Like, yeah, she was an episode of Chicago PD. Uh, yeah, she um, she had a lot of uh, a lot of energy and a lot of wit, and was a good Suzanne Partridge from what I got to see. She was nice. I got nothing uh, against her. Again, the cast is yeah. ranges from or, fine sure, to for- surely not Suzanne. <laughs> she, she, the cast ranges from quite good to fine to forgettable. Yeah, no one's terrible, but mm. it's the show kind of is. Yeah. And uh, which you could say about the original Partridge Family. I, if you're, I wouldn't if you're know. Being, yeah, I wouldn't be critical of That's it. My point. Uh, and we uh, and we can't let this show go without talking about the post credit stinger. Uh, oh God! I almost forgot, a, and I kind of wish we could. They didn't. I don't. They didn't shoot the episode, but they show, shot a next time on the Partridge Family bumper for yeah. the next episode that was never shot to try to get you excited mm. to see what would and, come next. And basically, as soon as they did this, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, they, this, so, is, this, this show is definitely not canceled too soon. So they say uh, we, there's a lot of talk of Mr. Partridge, the the man who left them behind, so he could be a, a roadie for Ario Speedwagon. Uh, that's kind of a gag. Ario Speedwagon was sort of a joke in mid mid two thousands. Same with Journey, uh, and uh, well, they were both they were both popular bands for a while, and they were still going. Yeah. Even uh, and but they were basically catering to the same demographic they always had, and yeah, other demographics um, in their forties. Journey was brought back by Glee. When "Don't Stop Believing" became sort of like America's anthem for a couple of years. Don't or? stop believing. No, I'm I'm going I'm to backtrack that right, right. there. Um, when like iTunes came out, mm. "Don't Stop Believing" was the number one most downloaded song. That's that right. song I remember was that. always oh, yeah. popular. Journey yeah. was always popular. It just wasn't cool to say you liked Journey mm. until Glee started making it cool again. Okay, but Journey was always popular. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Mr. Partridge is absent from the proceedings of this show. They just sort of talk about how he left. I, th- I wasn't sure if he had died or not. No, no, they said... they said. Uh, the, they but then got, they mentioned they got, he was alive. They got divorced. He was still following Aria mm-hmm. Speedwagon and Mom yeah. was with the kids. And I guess they just don't really talk much. And then mm-hmm. the Stinger... Um, we, we Dad get to, comes we get back. to meet Mr. Partridge. Mr. Partridge comes back. He just kind of, and it looks like they shot it like off the cuff, mm. like just like we're gonna do two shots and this will be that. And it's just the kids standing in front of the door, and then the door opens, and it's Danny Bonaduce. He's like, "Hey, kids, it's me, your dad." And they're like, "Wow." Dad Partridge, dad, our dad. Dad Partridge is Danny Bonaducci. Isn't that, isn't that a fun celebrity cameo? And I'm like, no, I, we know you can get Danny Bonaducci, yeah. but okay. But fuck <laughs> it, let's do it. Because you know, a lot of these like reboot shows mm-hmm. would incorporate original cast members. Like mm-hmm. uh, the rebooted Battlestar Galactica gave Richard Hatch arguably his best role ever. They brought back Dallas and JR was back yeah. as JR. All yeah. of that stuff is fine. So they bring back Danny Bonaducci. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, 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 not sti- I'm not psyched to see the next episode, but fair mm-hmm. enough. And then he says, okay, I just wanted you to meet my new life partner. And it turns out Dad Dad Partridge is gay now. And there's this, like, whole... Or I guess he always had been. But, like, and there's this whole big, like... (gasps) And I'm like, oh, we're doing the gay panic episode second time out, huh? Second time out, we're doing the gay panic episode. 
you have you're you're canceled. You're you're I can't going if you weren't canceled, I would go back in time and cancel you. Oh god, it's for how hackneyed mm. and terrible that setup and is. That, and and that, we all know all the jokes you were gonna make no. and they would have been and, insufferable. And it's one of those things where they're trying to like sort of look progressive but still milk it for gay panic. Oh yeah, that was common at yeah. the time. That was like such the, a the thing. The mid two thousands was the, the high time for that. And in the nineties there were uh, like queer characters would show up occasionally. Mm. And but they were always like the subject of the very special episode, or it was like a really big plot point. Like yeah, tonight on tonight's like, Ally McBeal, yeah. there will be uh, there are two women will kiss on camera. Oh. My so-called life, two women will kiss on camera and on Roseanne. Two women will get. It's never two men. They could, it was. Yeah, they, they could never show two men kissing on camera. I don't but, yeah. remember that ever happening. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I could I'm, be wrong. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Dan, a lesbian kissed me. She's gonna live in our garage. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, was that on the critic? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the that, that was the, the the Roseanne gag on the critic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so it really wasn't going in an encouraging direction. Mm-hmm. It, so it wasn't encouraging to begin with. No. So this uh, yeah, this it, show was not canceled too soon. It was canceled right when it needed to yeah. be. And I'm wondering, like, we probably would have recognized Emily Stone even if she had not gone on to anything. Yeah, she looks like Emma Stone. But yeah, uh, no, no, I mean just. If we had never had, like, if Emma Stone's career never took off. Oh, I see. And would this we, was, would and we this have was highlighted her as would, being good? Yeah, would we have been able to, to recognize her as good? And I think we would have seen her energy. I think we would and have said we the same thing. Her acting it, yeah. is good. Her singing and if, performing is eh. If we were casting agents, we would think, oh, let's try her in something else. Yeah, she'd be good in a teen yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. With that kind of thing. Keith is just, he's just a spam sculpture. He, yeah. he has, he's just sort of stands there and looks like a piece of meat. Keith <laughs> is the kind of guy you put on, like, a Nickelodeon show. Yeah, like he's got enough presence, like the, the but sweet like life with Zach and Cody. Yeah, like type all of the shows which are fine, mm. but like you're not going to get a lot of nuance out of it because they're told for. And listen, this isn't even a a, a knock. Mm. They're for unsophisticated audiences. They're for kids. Those are not subtle shows. Yeah. So that takes a different kind of actor, and that guy could probably do really well on something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he has more range, and the show didn't show it. But this was his opportunity. He didn't show it. I don't know what to do with him now. Yeah. Um, the, the kid maybe played, he's great. Maybe he's you know he's, he's maybe. fine now. The but, kid yeah. played Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, fine. Yeah, I'd cast mm-hmm. him in something else. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's okay. He's a perfectly yeah, yeah. nice, likable kid actor. Uh, the two little kids. The daughter has almost nothing to do. She, the she's kid, just in the background. The little boy yeah. only has one has one gag, but it's a funny gag. But I don't know if he's got any more range than that. No. Um, so we're left with the people who we already know can mm-hmm. do stuff, like Fred yeah. Stewart and uh, Suzanne Soule. Um Yeah. This. Yeah. So um, we completely derailed the entire podcast just because we found out this show exists. And it turns out it sucks really bad and we regret it. So um, <laughs> glad we're here. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and that is it for Cancel Too Soon this week. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you want to write us, we are uh, at letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We read your letters on our podcast. We've got mail here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you haven't already. Um, if you can afford to contribute, that'd be really cool. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You get bonus episodes uh, for your various contributions, or at the very least, even at our lowest uh, tier, you get to vote for future episodes of the show. Uh, next week... On Cancel Too Soon, it is our 175th episode, so we wanted to do something kind of big. And so we are doing the adventures of Brisk Max Hedrum. We're doing Max Hedrum. We're doing Max Hedrum. I'm sorry. You tease. You tease. I actually feel guilty about that now. People have been asking us to do Briscoe County. Since the start, people have been asking us to do Briscoe County. You know what? Let's do it for episode 200. 200 will do the the Adventures of Briscoe County. People have been asking us for it for forever. We'll do it for episode 200. But for 175, we're doing Max Hedrum. Max Hedrum. Max Hedrum. Speaking of uh, nostalgia, Max Hedrum was a cyberpunk television series starring Mm. Matt Frewer as a reporter and also his disembodied personality recreated in CGI. That just floats from TV to TV and says yeah. cool buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a show. It's, it, it's a great criticism of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, even at the time, cited it as being very subversive. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to watch that show in mm-hmm. film school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was required. It was required viewing. It would be a good double feature with Videodrome. It uh, would. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. So, uh, yeah, there was a TV special, then there was a TV series. Uh, this was a lot of people's introduction to Canadian actor Matt Frewer, who is terrific. Oh, great character Matt actor. Frewer is so great. Uh, Huge fan. We've already covered him in um, mm-hmm. Generation X. He was, and- yeah, he played the villain in Generation X. He was doing his Jim Carrey impersonation, but it was a very good Jim Carrey impersonation. It was a great Jim Carrey impersonation. Uh, and... Uh, 
what else was he? He was in an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. He was in Lawnmower Man, time traveling con man. He was in Lawnmower Man Two: Job's War. He played Job. He played the. the yeah. We can't get Jeff Fahey back. Who do we get? <laughs> well, Raffer was actually yeah. almost a step up in some ways. Mm. Uh, he was he was Trash Can Man in the Stand the that's miniseries. Right. That's right. Great role. Mm. Uh, he had a great memorable role on Supernatural. He's just been in everything. Mm. Uh, and I'm a big big. Oh, he was he was the neighbor's dad in Honey I Shrunk the Kids. That's probably something a lot of people oh, know. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was like the the, the little boys yeah, he's, next door. He's, 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 he was in a series of Canadian Sherlock Holmes uh, TV movies, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I've, I haven't oh. seen them. I just know that's something he did. I'm, I really admire Matt Frewer. I think it's the point. I have a lot of respect for him. I think yeah. he's a really great actor. So uh, this will be fun. I, I've only seen, in the last few years, I've revisited the pilot, but I haven't revisited the rest of the show. So this mm-hmm. should be a really interesting watch. I'm looking forward to covering it with you next week on Cancel Too Soon. Um, and stick around over uh, on the Patreon. The Cancel Too Soon monthly movie will soon be doing uh, multiple TV remakes of Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> Uh, which is very, very exciting. Uh, we're going to be doing, as chosen by our Patreon subscribers here in the Critically Claimed Network, a new episode of The Iron List, in which Whitney and I uh, review... I'm sorry, we present our picks for the 10 best Christmas movies ever. Okay. Um, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff as well. So mm. please check it out. We're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. Mm. My, uh, I'm on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, come on, get happy. Come on, get happy. No. Come on. Just get happy. I can't just get happy, Partridge family. You have to sell me happy. And you're not selling me happy. I'll see you next season.